Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Welcome to the weekend. That's right, it's Saturday. And that means it's time for the Mandalorian Season 2 review with your friends from the Wretched Hive Podcast. And we're so glad that you are selecting to join us to learn more about the Mandalorian Season 2. And this morning, uh, I am joined, and by the way, I'm Steve Baldwin, joined here by my co-hosts, Dave, Greg, and Scott. Good morning, guys. Yo, yo, yo. Good morning, sir. Good morning. It's another banner week in the life of The Mandalorian and in our Star Wars universe. This week, we are reviewing Season 2, Episode 6 of The Mandalorian, Chapter 14, titled The Tragedy, dropped by Disney Plus on Friday, December 4th, 2020. Written by John Favreau and notably directed by Robert Rodriguez, very acclaimed film director um, from Dust Till Dawn. Didn't he do the Machete movies too? Yeah, I was no, going to say think... I, I'm a little sad that there was no Danny Trejo appearance in this episode, but maybe he was a death trooper. Who knows? I, I think he also did uh, the Remains of the Day and When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Uh, <laughs> Sin City, if you've ever seen that movie, that is just a visual feast. Um, just a wonderful director. And boy, does he ever make a splash in the Star Wars universe. Um, guys, we're going to get right into it. Opening scene. Oh, well, actually, before we get there, I always ask you guys, um, what what do you think of this episode? I'm going to start with uh, Greg this morning. Greg, uh, two word review, two word two word review. Holy shit! My god, that was fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you've uh, encapsulated how we're all feeling about the Scott and Greg. Let's uh, get uh, your turn your volume up just a uh, just a hair, or sit a little bit closer. Scott, um, what do you think of this episode? Yeah, I'm I'm with Greg. Uh, I can't two word review. Holy fucking shit! I cannot believe this. I cannot believe how good this show is, how good this episode was. It's my favorite one so far. And uh, Dave, two-word review. You can go a little over two words if you want. It's fine. Uh, he, it's, it's Robert, he, the director accomplished something that has never been seen before in the annals of Star Wars history over the last 40-plus years. True. Storm, stormtroopers who can actually hit something. <laughs> and get hit by something. And we'll t- we'll oh, no, that happens a lot. Let's be real no, about that's that. That's true. That's true. Although not like this, not like we've seen in this episode. Um, Look, all right. Get hit on more than the drunk chick at a frat party. <laughs> um, opening scene. Oh, Dave. On the Razor Crest. <laughs> but is, Dave, uh, does that mean that they're qualified for Supreme Court? I'm just. Oh, boy. Oh, oh man. Uh, <laughs> guys, guys, guys. Uh, bring, bring it back. Opening oh. scene, Mando and Grogu, they're just playing catch. <laughs> they're just playing catch. It, you know, it reminded me of Field of Dreams. Dad, you want to have a catch? I was like bringing a tear to my eye there. Uh, good stuff with Mando um, encouraging Grogu to use the force. And, you know, on that flight in to, um, to, to the planet where they end up, uh, Tython, where all the action in this scene, in, in this episode takes place. Um, 
the uh, it's so cool to hear Mando just refer to Jedi. I just when he's talking about we're going to find some Jedi and don't you want to learn more about Jedi stuff? It just it feels so cool for a live action show to be just talking about the Force and about Jedi. I I had that reaction. I don't know. Did you guys sense that at all? You know, I, it, last season they noticed they noticeably went out of the way not to refer to things normally seen in the Star Wars universe, like Jedi. There were no lightsabers, you know. And this season has kind of been the reverse of that. That's kind of all been about that. That's been part of the quest. And you know, it it makes sense. But I, you know, I hope it doesn't become that this is the show of guest stars. Mm. Um, which, while this season has been great. I think that Mandalorian's character, the titular character of the show, has kind of been overshadowed by everybody else who's on the show. Mm. Yeah, I, I I got that feeling too, and I was actually I had that feeling last season with um, Bill Burr's character, who comes back next week, who, who appears to be coming <laughs> back next week. So it may not be it. it there hopefully we'll have recurring characters, but not you know, the, 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 the fanboy of the week that landed a spot on the Mandalorian and here's their opportunity to be on the show. It's sort of like a, you know, a cur- recurring characters that make sense uh, yeah. to plot and drive the plot forward. Uh, so they make their way down to Tython. I just have to call out some visuals here. The show is just, we, we talked about how immaculate the show is visually. And I love the scene when Razor Crest is flying down to the planet. It's just so spot on perfectly animated um visually it just yeah. it, that scene it is but we greg and i rewatched this again last night after you know we made it here to the desert compound and i i just so what there's a whole flipping planet and he just is like oh that's where i'm supposed to go that one tower there on this entire planet he just flies to it immediately with no gps that just that seems a little unlikely to me well dave you don't know he ha- he doesn't have gps i'm pretty sure I've well, seen the ship. I'm pretty sure it doesn't have GPS. Wouldn't it be? <laughs> wouldn't it be UPS? It would be like U- universe positioning system, U- right? UPS. Yeah. <laughs> Probably um, just as much as the one here on Earth, but that's all right. They make their way down to Tython, and ma- the the view of the the Jedi structure, the stone structure with the seeing stone from from the ship. I mean, he might as well have been looking out the window of a 747 and down to the planet. Again, just hyper accurate and and, and great visuals. Um, he They get down there and they get to the Jedi uh, seeing stone. What do we call that? The, the top of the mountain seeing stone area. Stonehenge. Yeah, Stonehenge. <laughs> and um, Mando asks, does it look like, does this look like Jedi to you? He asked the question to the to to um, the child, and I at this point I'm on the edge of my seat. Literally, I I was I like woke kind of woke out of my stupor, and I was literally on the edge of my couch. Like, what is going to happen? Even even just at this early point, um, and then of course they're looking around. They don't see anything, and they hear a ship come in, and the ship is fucking slave one. <laughs> oh my god i freaked out i'm like oh my god that's slave one did, did you, what was your response uh did you have the same sort of a reaction or when slave one appeared on the screen Ooh, anybody 
I, I didn't only because it was an expected thing for me. I mean, they've, they've kind of turned over the cards that Boba Fett is going to be appearing at some point in the season. So I, I didn't have this like out of nowhere thrill, but it was still it was still a, a good feeling to see that ship again for the first time since 1980. It wasn't in Return of the Jedi, as I recall. Yeah. So quick question uh, for the group here. Uh, the ship and attack of the clones and slave one, same ship, different ships. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same ship, just like uh, Django's armor. He just took it over once his dad died and okay. uh, repainted, it, modified. Does it not get destroyed or severely damaged? At some point, or maybe in the in do we well, do we see it in another animated show or? So, uh, the, the last thing I remember of it is 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 Obi Wan. Um, it, it was him chasing Obi Wan through the asteroid field where he's dropping those grenades or right. the the mines or whatever they are. The, these things that go right. Things. That's the last time. I, and I, I I was under the assumption that was the same ship. Yeah, it and you know he dies on that planet. So yeah. That ship is at, at Gen, uh, Geonos- Geonosia. Is that where it is? And it, yeah. Geonosis. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I always assumed that uh, Boba gets in Django's ship and flies off with Django's yeah. armor after you know getting his dad's body out of it. I'm pretty you know, sure that the head out of the bucket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we meet we meet Boba Fett. Boba Fett is back officially in the Star Wars universe, and. And I thought it was really great. One of the first things we hear him say is, I'm, I'm just a simple man making my way through the galaxy like my father before me. And isn't that almost identical to what Django said to Obi-Wan? Two things. Yes. Uh, Django says uh, the same exact line, except I'm uh, making my way through the universe. He says galaxy. Um, and then he does use the Luke like my father before me to Vader line. So yeah, that that's 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 a Luke Skywalker callback from uh, Return of the Jedi. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, okay, so Grogu's on the on the Seeing Stone. He's communing with the Force. Mando can't penetrate. Um, and then we get some incredible, incredible action with. <laughs> that's what so, she said. With I, just, I just with I just have Boba to say. Fett. The subtitle of this show is Side Quest, you know, the television show. Yeah. This episode was the cutscene. There was no no action. There's a player you're not in control. This is the moment where it the thing goes to widescreen on your computer and you watch a movie for three minutes of some big thing that has to happen to set the next chain of quests in motion. That's what this was. This was the cutscene. It should have been called the tragedy. It should have been called the cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> Is is and we're gonna mess up our, our our sequential timeline here. But is the tragedy of the show the destruction of Razorcrest, or it, is it the theft of the child? I think it's a little of both, and and I think other things are happening too. So um, I, I got some theories on this show. I think we're gonna have to talk about this show a lot in the next week because there's just too much to talk about. But um, yeah, I, I really think it's it's more about the child losing the child. Um, but certainly him personally losing the razor crest, which, uh, again, I think was more shocking than seeing slave one. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't expect that. And when they blew it up, they blew it the fuck up. Like, holy hell. 
you see the size of the crater he walked into? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's you know we've got toys with the Razor Crest, we've got you know all kinds of Razor Crest stuff everywhere, and that ship is gone. It doesn't exist anymore unless he finds another Razor Crest, another same model. Um, that is you know Mando's searching for a new a new ride. That thing is gone. I do love, and I know we got to jump back to the fight sequence and all that stuff. The only things he finds in the wreckage and debris, besides a couple little mechanical pieces he just tosses aside, is the ball that he's yeah. playing catch with. And then, of course, the Beskar steel spear, uh, which I would have safely assumed survived an explosion like that. But, my God, I mean, that thing is annihilated. <laughs> Yeah, so no, yeah. so quick question there. So Boba Fett goes in before the ship is blown up, steals his armor back, or, or acquires his armor back, however you want to put it. Wasn't there a whole trove of other Beskar armor in there? Didn't he take all the Beskar armor from Navarro? He's wearing it. Mm. It's all been melted into what is now his new uniform, right? Well, no. Did- his new armor was made from the Beskar plates that he earned from bringing the child back to what wait there's another set of armor did i am i forgetting something because at the at the at the end of last season all of the all of the mandalorians that were in hiding there on navarro all left their armor at the old mandalorian hideout and didn't he take a bunch of that i don't know or did it stay with the armorer well maybe it did Uh, i think it stayed with the armorer to be honest but i'm not 100 percent on that all right Guys, we got to get to Boba Fett. Boba Fett's redemption is Boba in Fett more ways than one. <laughs> is Boba Fett no longer it, well. Are we seeing Boba Fett as as the badass bounty hunter that um, we've always hoped he would be? What do we I, see here, guys? It's like uh, we've never seen this much Boba Fett kickassery. I'm going to change something. Dave mentioned this is the side quest. I'm going to call it uh, episode 14, the one that pisses Dave off the most. Uh, <laughs> it is something we finally saw. So my feeling after watching this show, I had a ton of feelings about this. But the first thing I actually thought, Dave, this creeps the hell out of me, is, my God, all Dave needed was Robert Rodriguez to direct Return of the Jedi, and he would have been happy. But, you know. Um, it, 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 it's hard to square the circle that the Boba Fett that we saw in this episode that was just entirely next level and suddenly I understand why that the sand people walking around with a club is so effing terrifying to people on Tatooine right. but it, you know, it, it's hard to square the circle of how badass that guy was mm-hmm. with the fact that he is the same individual who lost a fight to a blind man and a stationary creature <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, that points out the fact that it was a pure accidental thing, and I know it was played for stupid humor, which is another reason why I d- just don't like Return of the Jedi. But I love that they finally had a chance to give the character the, the most deadly um, bounty hunter in the universe his moment to shine, and here we get to finally see it. And thank God it was Robert Rodriguez directing him because. I mean, that's the difference, too. It wasn't Tam- Tamira uh, Morrison playing him. It was Jeremy Bullock back then, but still. Well, it, it, Greg, Greg and I were talking a little bit about this, too. And, and Robert Rodriguez directing this particular episode with this sort of stuff happening. I, this is what Star Wars needs to be able to, to grow a bit and survive. It needs these directors who have these very different sensibilities to come in and give us their perspective. I mean, he, 
he is enough of a professional that he's going to understand, you know, Star Wars does have a house style. There are things you need to do. There are boxes you need to check. But I'm Robert frickin' Rodriguez, and here are the boxes that I need to check in an episode. That was savage. Like, that had me understanding why stormtroopers are actually feared. That lived up to the thing that of Obi-Wan from A New Hope, where he says, only stormtrooper blasts are so precise. And for the last 40 years, everybody's been like, really? I've never seen a stormtrooper with a blast that precise. Mm-hmm. We saw it this episode. Mando's apparently the only target that stormtroopers can hit reliably. It is weird. Well, you know, it's funny. When they first bust out of that ship, um, which is a nice callback to an old-style look to the new uh, dropships from the sequels, but yeah. they come out, and they are kind of the same way. They are not hitting. Like, you have uh, Boba Fett not in his armor at this point, because that's the big reveal we should be talking about as well. Um, but then there's also the moment the two of them are defending... Uh, the, the little temple seeing stone. Uh, I forget her name. Fennec. Is that her name? Yeah. In the show? Fennec. Um, Mignon. Yeah. And so when you see those two defending him, they're not getting hit. It's not until Mando shows up, who's obviously they're hitting him because the armor is the shield, which, again, is kudos to Rodriguez for playing this out like a Rodriguez film because it is what we need. We need this crazy action. Um, although I'm, I, there is one little critique I have because he has one of the most badass sequences with Ming-Na um, when she is falling backwards off the cliff. That shot was so beautiful. Um, just taking him out as she twists around. I think it was actually used in one of his other films. Um, or some, yeah, it, some. It, it looked very familiar when she's, yeah. she, she spins around and falls backward over the cliff while she's shooting. Yeah, that was a great scene. So in in relation to that, there is one sequence when she is running away, like all these great stunt, like pieces of stunt work and everything happening. There's one shot, if you watch it again, guys, I know you've probably all seen it twice or three times. She's running and jumping from rock to rock, and it's like the worst stunt job ever, right? So if it was... (laughs) I'm like, you see her jumping and twisting and shooting in air, and it's a close-up of her, so obviously she's on wires or something, and... Then all of a sudden you see this one. It looks like, you know, that kid who had too many peanut butter jelly sandwiches in third grade couldn't jump from one block to the next. I was like, what? you couldn't cut that? That's the one edit scene you could have. Oh. It, it, it was a moment where the stunt quality suddenly drops down to the level of, you know, Wonder Woman 77. I agree with you there, Scott. <laughs> uh, there's so much action here to talk about with with Boba Fett. Um, the baseball swing that he takes at the stormtrooper that's doubled over um, the the standing over the stormtrooper and stabbing him in the chest with the with the spear end of the gaffy stick. Uh, and and now we we obviously know gaffy sticks are not just for picking bantha teeth. It's <laughs> a serious weapon. There's one moment where he's walking towards you know to, to finish off a stormtrooper, and you get the shot behind oh. uh, behind him. With, this is the money you shot. See the you see the business end of that gaffy stick. Uh, just old old again, harken back to the spaghetti western esque sort of filming style, and I, I just loved it. And I, I do want to say one other thing about Robert Rodriguez. I think this is what Kathleen Kennedy was intending to do with the films, right? Bring in different directors with their vision, check the Star Wars boxes to use your analogy, uh, Dave, but then bring your own style to it. And with this sort of episodic weekly show, we're seeing that come to fruition, and it's it's super exciting. <laughs> Which is what Marvel has successfully done, right? I mean, you look at Black Panther, that's a Marvel movie, but that is a Ryan Coogler film through and through. Ant-Man, 
Marvel movie, but they're Peyton Reed movies through James and Gunn, through. Galaxies, you know? Yeah. I think that's where Kathleen failed, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be super critical of her, but that's where I think she mm -hmm. should have had a better scope on the production and the pre-setup, like all the, the storytelling part of it, which Kevin Feige, and we've talked about that in the past, that he has a beat on and she just didn't. And I think Filoni and Favreau are constantly the, the constants in this that make this happen. And, and there's a larger discussion to be had. I know we're going to, and we'll have it on Wednesday night about this, but that's a great point, Steve. And as producer, I'm hoping you're writing that down so we can come back to it on Wednesday. Done. Consider it done. Uh, we also have to just, there's so much more to cover um, and we don't have too much time, but the, the dark troopers, uh, the, the, they're just badass. Um, Although we don't really see them do much right now. They come in, they land, they take the baby, they leave. I mean, that's yeah. really all that happens with them. And the I effects think, on that were such that I was like, wow, Mandalorian is going to fight Iron Man in this moment. <laughs> so Six Ivy and Chris Evans made that observation as well. And I have to give Chris credit. He predicted uh, Boba Fett's return in this episode. He he uh, saw that coming. Um, also have to call out really quick. Um, uh, associate producer Mark Morita messaged me this morning and he says, you have to read this article. I'll send it to you guys and post it on our Facebook. Um, an article about the decon the, the, um, the chain code, the deconstruction mm -hmm. of the chain code. Someone has, uh, translated it. Oh, Jesus. Oh boy. Yeah. And there's, there's, <laughs> there's like spoilers in that chain code. We'll talk about that. Uh, mm -hmm. on the next episode of the hive proper, uh, the the nerdgasm next Friday. Wait, the nerdgasm is so strong right now. Oh. Someone deconstructed that. Okay, well, It's like Scott telling us a couple weeks ago that somebody went back on the, the panels in the cloner room and found Snoke in the name in the cloner room. So yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Guys. It's, not just, it's not just his little chain code. It's the seeing stone itself. I know we got one minute left, but the seeing stone has the actual Jedi um, encryption around the edge of it where the beams are coming up. And then at the very last sequence with Cara Dune, as you're seeing all the criminals, each one is written in Orabesh. You could translate all of them, and somebody did that already. So Jesus, I know. <laughs> if we could, if we could just harness these powers for good, I mean, shoot, shoot. we're all going to be uh, we're all going to be fluent in Arabesh after after uh, Mandalorian is done. I'm not even fluent in English, Steve. Going <laughs> <laughs> to be uh, bilingual, one and a half languages. Uh, Sort of English and three quarters English, three quarters Arabic. <laughs> so um, I just want to I, I want to throw yeah. out Grogu is a mean little kid. That is also established in this episode. Grogu okay. is a mean little kid. I'm so <laughs> glad you mentioned that because arguably, not 100 percent, but arguably, my favorite scene in the whole episode was Grogu fucking with the stormtroopers when he was in prison, <laughs> throwing them around the room, but, and uh, Moff Gideon, Gideon says, oh, "You're getting good at that." Uh, well, so, so I, I have to say really quick, Chris's, Chris's prediction is Gideon is a force user as well. I want to throw that yes. out there. Chris. Use your anger. Give in to your hate. I have two quick predictions. I know the thing's rolling out here, but I think he is actually going to the dark side. Rewatch that sequence. He does yeah. something Jedis don't do, and he force chokes one of the stormtroopers. Yeah. So, and I also think we're not going to see Mando anymore. Think Mando's done? I think they're gonna kill Mando off. Ooh. 
It's a bowl. The show will be just be called The from here on out. That's Prediction, Scott Ivansky. I love it. Guys, the show just keeps rolling and getting better and better as it as it rolls along. This is now what three, four episodes that we've all really loved this season. Yeah. And um, wow, what a great it's, time! It's, sad, there's only two left. Yeah. Ah, right. But we can go back and watch them because we all subscribe to Disney Plus. What did we all say? We all said that the next episode was going to be one of the short ones, and it's probably just going to be a blow-through episode, and it's been one of the best episodes yet. And it was actually was one of the shorter episodes at 33 minutes. Yeah. Kind of on the short side. Uh, guys, we will be back next Saturday for another Mandalorian episodic review. Um, join us this coming Friday for a Wretched Hive proper. And uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Star Wars, and may the Force be with us all. <laughs>